What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. We've got a great one for you. 36 hours of drama between uh, Crossing Broad, between Snow the Goalie, between Kevin Hayes, between the Barstool Sports guys, between Spit and Shake. What's part of my take? All that stuff. It's been a exciting 48 hours. I dug my Philadelphia Flyers sweatshirt out of the closet for this one. That's how important it is. We've got Kevin Kincaid. We've got Sherlock Sanfilippo. And we've got Chris Bundy Terrian. All to break it down. And if you might not be on social media, maybe you're not on Twitter, maybe you don't read the blog, maybe you're just solely consuming the podcast, you're probably like, what the hell is going on right now? So I will just start real quickly from the beginning if you guys can give me that and uh, so people can uh, can, can kind of catch up. So let's start from the beginning. Quitter Gautier tells the Flyers he won't play for them. According to Briere, it happened at last year's World Juniors. He wouldn't meet with John LeClaire or Patrick Sharp when they visited Boston College. So Jonesy and Briere go out to Sweden to make one last-ditch effort to sway their top-five pick to play for the organization, and he says no. I don't even think he really met with them. So they traded him for Jamie Drysdale in a second rounder to the Ducks because they thought his value was the highest it could be after coming off a great World Juniors. Fast forward last night. There's some speculation about, or two nights ago, excuse me, Monday. Fast forward last, uh, to Monday. There's some speculation about Kevin Hayes' fingerprints being all over Gautier's apprehension to play. And Ant confirms that on Snow the Goalie late Monday night after hearing it from three different people in the front office. We clip it. I didn't say three different people in the front office. All right, go ahead. Multiple sources? Multiple sources, yes. Okay, sorry. Thank you. Yeah, I just want to make sure it's accurate, man. I hear you. You know, all about accuracy in 2024. We clip it, crossing broad, throw it on social media, takes off. Chicklets guys, friends with Hayes, get a hold of it. Bissonette calls Ant Sherlock San Filippo, really great nickname. And Ryan Whitney refutes the report with a great with a direct quote from Hayes calling Ant a clown that he had nothing to do with it. Kevin Hayes jumps in now on the Instagram comments section dedicated to Flyers that posted the video of Ant basically saying the same thing as his quote to Whitney. Now, if you follow the Flyers, you know how rock solid Ant's reporting is. Obviously, it's a little different if you root for the Canucks or someone else and you don't know who Ant is. So, Ant, I'll give you the floor. I'll give you the opportunity to say anything you'd like. Do you continue to stand by the report? And what do you think of the last 36 hours? Uh, a, I definitely stand by the report. Um, I, I don't put anything out there that's fabricated, made up. You know, if if something is given to me that's wrong, I'll come out and say, hey, listen, I got I had a bad source on this. Um, I will not say that in this case. This is not not one of those instances where, you know, hey, I had a bad source. Nope, this is not. Um, what I will say though, and, and the last 36 hours have been fun in, in a lot of ways. Like, I, look, I'm not going to go crazy on Twitter. I mean, I put a, I think a, just a couple of tweets out to the chicklets guys basically saying, Hey, you want to talk about it? I'm happy to talk about it with you. Um, uh, but I've heard from so many people. My phone has just been, I had to, had to have it plugged into the charger for basically the last 36 hours because of how many, how much it was been blowing up. Um, but the one thing I think, and this Kevin will like this, especially, um, I, the one thing I think is missing from this whole story is the nuance. Okay. 
and that's that. Like this is this is Kev's whole oh, whole yeah. thing. This is his whole routine. Like it's 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 the nuance is what's missing, because I think what it got turned into was people were suggesting that my report was saying Kevin Hayes is holding, basically holding Cutter Gauthier's hand through this whole thing and advising him the whole time. Don't play for the Flyers. Don't play for the Flyers. You don't want to play there. Don't play for the Flyers. Like that's not what I said. Um, I said his fingerprints are on this because he was a guy who the Flyers, in all honesty, asked to kind of be uh, a player who reached out to Gauthier after he was drafted um, as a veteran player, as a guy who went to Boston College. You know, hey, you know, you know, go out and, and you know, give him a call, talk to him, whatever. And uh, he kind of became a little bit of a confidant. I mean, Carter Gauthier's said it in in places. He's basically said, you know, hey, this guy's a little bit of a role model for me, right? Um, it's great to have his his number in my phone. I can call him whenever. They played golf together. Like those kinds of things, all that happens. So that happened right away, right when Gauthier is, uh, is drafted, which is before the John Tortorella era really kicks in. It's that summer before Tortorella is really the head coach. Obviously, when you get to the point of the, the season starting, then you have um, Hayes and Tortorella not really, um, you know, seeing eye to eye. And I defended Kevin Hayes numerous times in that situation because he was playing good hockey and yet Torts was still benching him at times or, or demoting him. I think he demoted him to the fourth line at one point or sat him on the bench for an entire period, um, actually scratched him from a game. And I felt like it was a little bit vindictive, but in a lot of ways it's, it was what Torts has used this year with accountability, like saying, Hey, everybody's accountable, veterans included. And I think that that kind of relationship kind of soured. And so you got to think into what goes on over the time that, you know, between, the time that Gauthier's drafted and then May of this past year, May of 23, all that negative is happening with Kevin Hayes. And, and we're going to get to Bundy here in a second when and he could talk a little bit about um, about what, you know, guys talk about in the, in the league and how, you know, plugged in guys are to each other and questions that they ask each other and talk to each other. But you got to know that there's conversation that's happening there. Now, that doesn't mean Kevin Hayes is intentionally, you know, you know telling – uh, Cutter Gauthier to not be part of the Flyers organization going forward. But if he's asked, hey, what's it like to play for torts? He's going to be bl blunt and honest with the kid, right? He's going to tell the kid what it's like, what his experience is like, you know, what's going on there? What's going on in Philly? Oh, my God, they fired the general manager in March. What the heck's happening? Oh, they're giving this job to a guy who's never been a GM before. Um, oh, oh, the president's going to be a guy who was making fart noises on the radio. Like, I mean, like those kinds of conversations are happening. Like, you know, whatever. I mean, it, it, look, whether you buy that or not, you know, it's okay. Kevin Hayes is going to come out and say, I had nothing to do with it. And dire directly, he probably didn't have anything to do with it. But indirectly, holy hell, it's it's all over the place. Of course, there's other things that are tied to it. I'm not saying that that's the main reason. That's the only reason that Gauthier doesn't sign. Let's let's you know, you could look at it and say that he wanted to come out after his freshman year and be in the NHL and the Flyers couldn't guarantee him a spot on the NHL roster, even told him he had to earn it. And if he didn't earn it, he would have to go play in the AHL and Cutter didn't like that as well. So that's all part of it, too. But when you put that all together and you add that in and you say, oh, now and I got a veteran guy who I trust because, hey, B.C., it's like a, it's like the mafia. 
right? I mean, you know, they are they're connected like everybody. They all come to run to each other's aid. Those Boston hockey players, rats. They're all rats. I tried telling everybody all the Boston. Nobody believed me. They're the Boston they, they, traders. They, man. they run. They run to each other, right? Yeah, like yeah. I even got called out by Colby Cohen, who has filled in for me on Snow the Goal. Yeah, I thought you guys were cool with him. You're cool with them. Oh, I'm, I'm still cool with Colby, and like I covered him when he was a high school hockey player at Radnor. Like I mean, like I know the guy. He even he's called me out. Why? Because he's a Boston hockey guy. Guy, right, yeah, so yeah. It, it all ties in. Well, anyway. real quick, let me ask you something just for clarification. Yeah, sure, sure. Hayes said he used the the plural clowns. So was he talking about you and Bundy or you and Russ? Well, he should be talking about me and Russ. But the 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 clip that went out had both <laughs> me and Bundy talking. Oh. So I, it's got to be that he's talking about. Me. I think Russ Russ may have skated on this one. Yeah, Russ yeah. isn't getting any any Russ, pushback. Russ gets no pushback for this for yeah. the first time, in which he definitely time. does not like. <laughs> He definitely wanted to be the Chihuahua. Wanted to be all over this, Bundy. Uh, uh, what are your What are your thoughts on on the whole situation? Yeah, you know what, Kyle. I think the other night was kind of one of those games. I just went in. I wasn't feeling well last week. I came in to do a hockey game on Tuesday or Monday, Pittsburgh and the Flyers. And six minutes into the game, Anthony looks. He goes, "Oh my God!" He goes, "The Flyers traded Cutter Gauthier to Anaheim for Jamie Drysdale and a pick." And I'm like, "What?" Like where this is kind of everybody was stunned. Like nobody knew. And I'll, I'll say to Danny and Jonesy, great job keeping that that on wraps. But um, I'm an emotional hothead. I get fired up over things. I'm a, I become, as you guys know, I become very much the Philadelphian that <laughs> the Philadelphians are. You know, I've been an Eagles season ticket holder for 20 years. And when Anthony got the reports and some stuff started flying around up top that there was some smoke around this tied to Kevin Hayes. Um, I was ticked off thinking to myself, man, they paid that guy like $50 million. But then afterwards, and I think the nuance is a big part is that, you know, and I put myself back in the driver's seat. You know, I said some things uh, personally about Kevin, which wasn't nice. Called him all. I think I said he was a loser. If you wanted to call me a POS, I would prefer you called me an a-hole. You could, uh, you could curse on this show. Oh, you can. Okay. So yeah, you want to yeah. call me a piece of shit. That's fine. But I prefer asshole because I, I really do. I think a lot of good in the community to try to help others. I got Philadelphia hotheaded the other night, um, but that still doesn't mean that a player can't talk to a young guy. I think the problem is the thing with Philadelphia that's interesting with this whole scenario is that the guy that is most notorious for sitting out of a hockey team was the guy that the Flyers acquired close 30 years ago, right? With Lindros. And, um, that was kind of the same thing. The difference with this is it's just odd because they don't – my biggest question still is um, – and I and as I said it to Kevin Hayes. Uh, you're not a loser. You're, you're a good guy. People in this town like you. You're an alumni now to a lot of the Flyers. And so from that angle, I respect that as a guy who played in Philadelphia. And he had a rough ride here from Torts too. Um, but that stuff really ticked me off hearing that because we're trying to restart the engine in Philadelphia here in a lot of ways. And we want to see the passion back. We want to see guys want to come here in free agency. And as somebody who played 12 years here, uh, you know, saw the good, the bad, the ugly. I've been celebrated. I've been booed as loud as you can. I've seen all of Philadelphia. And at the same time, I've also become a huge fan of the people of this city and what they stand for and how much passion goes into their sports. All you got to do is look at Citizens Bank Park right now, you know, like in the, in the fall to see what it means. The problem for me, guys, is still even aside, I, I played for Ken Hitchcock and in a spirit of transparency, and I, I don't like to, to bullshit anybody. 
I had an awful couple of years with Ken Hitchcock. And there's no way that if somebody asked me the next year after my personal issues in life, what I thought of him, it would have been really hard for me to tell anybody what a great human being and a great coach he was. So that doesn't mean, as Anthony said, I'm holding someone's hand saying, you absolutely can't go sign there. That's the worst place to sign. You can not like a coach. You can not like maybe something in the organization. But for me, how I take it personally is that when someone doesn't want to come here, you're taking a shot at all of us, every single person that pays for sports in this city. Because I know, as do the people and the players that now come to this city, whatever spot your team is in right now in the city, the Flyers in a rebuild, the Eagles uh, looking great, wheels fall off. We all take these things together. Phillies, we're hoping they get better. But that's the best part about Philadelphia is that we're kind of all in it together. And so I felt insulted for the fans of Philadelphia. I've seen two amazing days with the Ed Snyder legacy game, a great packed house on Monday night, national championship football game against the Penguins. And so I'm truly insulted and and bewildered why a young 19-year-old that has a world of talent didn't want to come here. That being said, let me just finish this up. I'm ready to just move past it because the trade is done. And all the drama and the bullshit was taken out of the equation by Jonesy and Danny. There's nothing to talk about anymore. The trade is made. We got Jamie Drysdale. I'm super excited about what his future is going to look. And on the other side of it, I would have loved to have had Cutter Gauthier here, but it didn't happen. I'm disappointed by that. I'm not going to let anybody you know, say that any differently. I wanted him to play in Philly. He could have been a god here. Could have been a god. And to be a god in this town is something. Um, so, you know, and he had, and he had a chance to be that, but that, that's a part for me guys is I just don't understand why in a 19 year old or his parents or his parents, his parents, his parents could have been influenced into doing something like this. Like I was telling the other night when I got drafted, I don't care if I got drafted, they had a team in Yellowknife in the Northwest or in Yukon. If that's where the NHL team was, man, I would be there with bells on. And my eight reindeer in front of my sleigh that flew me there. But um, that's just me. Like, I, the greatest moment of my life, besides having a kid, was playing for the Philadelphia Flyers in game one. I mean, I mean that. Like, that was everything to me, you know, because it was what I've worked my whole life for. So I see it, and I see a changing society sometimes, and it just bothers me in a lot of ways. Um, I will follow suit with Anthony. You know, that doesn't – it didn't mean Kevin Hayes hand walked this guy to not want to play here, but guys talk. There's a social media thing. Now you could reach out. I remember when Luke Richardson signed here after 97, I didn't even know him. He had to get his number through three guys just to get a hold of me on a cell phone, those cell phones. And he said, Hey, what's it like there? Got an offer. I said, man, I'll tell you what, it's the best place you're going to find to play hockey from every angle. So from that standpoint, my fan came out and that's why I'm so passionate about it. But at the same time now, guys, going to work tonight, excited to see Jamie Drysdale and really move on past this ridiculous episode. Um, you know, there's, there's a, there's a lot of passion that goes into Philadelphia and broadcasts and talking about our players and personnel. And I think you saw that on full display the other night in more yeah. ways than one. Yeah. And we'll move on. Even though I'm not a big move on guy, I still hate Carson Wentz. I still hate Ben Simmons. I probably will never move on from Cutter Gauthier, but I also don't follow the Flyers as closely, so maybe I will. And I do want to ask you, because it was pretty interesting how they how the Flyers, Dan Hilferty on your show, Keith Jones on the program, Danny Briere when he was talking in, in the in the huddle with the media and everything. He also did radio. And he also did radio. Yeah, yeah. What did you think about the Jonesy, before we get into my question, what did you think about the Jonesy and Briere going on the radio and saying that Kevin Hayes didn't influence the report? Any... 
I think they have to say that. Okay. Right. I mean, I think they have to because you know it is certain, and uh, you know I've since checked in that he did. Kevin Hayes reached out to Danny Briere after everything blew up, and and told know? him that he had nothing to do with it. Um, so look, they have good relationships with Kevin Hayes. Um, they like Kevin, uh, Danny and, and, and Jonesy. And so they're going to take him at his word on that. And so publicly, of course, they're going to come out and say that, and that's okay. It's totally fine. Um, you know, I don't, I don't share who I get my information from. I mean, that's why one of the reasons I'm able to get the information that I get, but one thing I can share is one of the people who contacted me. Bundy and Russ were sitting right there. Yep. And I can confirm that. Like that, my, that it's, it's on my yeah. phone and mm-hmm. it's, it's a legitimate and like, it's a legitimate person, right? Bundy. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not like, it's yes. like, you know, the elf in the shelf, like this <laughs> stuff, you know? So what are we supposed to do? Right. We right. end up being the messengers and that's where I see something like that. Put yourself in our shoes where I'm like, what the fuck? Really? Yeah. Like that really happened. Yeah. So there, I'm feel I'm refeeding my mind in exactly how I heard it at the time when I'm like, that cannot be true. Like yeah. I can't fucking believe that just happened. If that really happened, yeah. But yeah. here's here's the thing that so bothers me. Disappointment is. Yeah, you know, the thing- reached out to them. I'm glad he reached out and cleared the air. Because yeah. hopefully, then they'll tell people throughout the top that hey guys, we got a bad scoop. If that really did, does that erase the fact that as a human being, like I said, guys contact each other. There's nothing wrong with saying Torts is not a great guy to play for. I didn't like him. That's my experience. I would have said the same thing about Hitchcock. What do you think of Craig Ken Hitchcock? I didn't like him. He was awful to play for. You never had a day where you came in and you felt good about yourself because he was always pushing, always pushing. That's my experience with him. You know? So Kevin Hayes, I mean, look at last year, didn't have a great experience with Torts. He had a good year. He went to the All-Star game. And I know he's gone through personal stuff. I work in that industry and I know what he went through. I lost a sister, a young sister, like he did his brother. And 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 that part to me is 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 hard, like dealing with it as a personal thing. But he did go through a lot here. Like he really did. And he absorbed a lot. You know, Torts is not easy. I and mean, when you're in the doghouse, ask Morgan Frost, you're in the doghouse. But the one part I can't deny is when Anthony's we saw what we saw and that's enough to fire a guy like me up because I love this town and the organization's trying to do something good and special and move forward. And, uh, and I don't want anybody to think that this is a representation of the team because I don't know what happened here, but I can't look at Danny and Jonesy and say that they they had anything to do with it. Like we're moving forward with this team teams is going to get on the right track. They're going to add pieces. They're going to try to formulate a plan if they haven't already. Drysdale might have been the first piece of this plan, but you got to give them a chance to rebuild this and to put the pieces in place they like. Well, I think that's what bothers me is the uh, insinuation that anybody would ever just make shit up. Uh, I, I like I would be yeah. personally offended by that. Yeah, and I'd never broad, do that, Kevin. And neither yeah. would Anthony. I don't have right. that in me. No, no. And like I'm sitting there thinking, like, first of all, Anthony's got a track record of being accurate with flyer stuff. It was said on Snow the Goalie, but then the story was written for Crossing Broad. So while Snow the Goalie is not owned by Crossing Broad, we have like always been connected in some way. So we take the ricochet from that at the same time where I guarantee that nobody's ever made up any shit for our website. Nothing that Anthony has done, nothing that I've written. And we have a pretty good track record of being very accurate on these things. The stuff I do about local media, the things that Anthony does about the Flyers. Um, so that's, I think my problem is that when people these days just hear something that they don't want to hear, 
they just say that somebody made it up. It's tough. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's, a, that comes from, you know, that was very popular during the last political cycle. If you, if you get catch my drift, but now you can just say some shit is, is, oh, this, this never happened. You can just make this accusation that people are making shit. I guarantee you that nobody will ever make shit up for a crossing broad. I think, I think the funny thing too is like talking about Barstool, we don't have any problem with any of those guys. Um, I, love, I actually love like those a, guys. Yeah, I, mean, I love I love I love their site. I love what they talk yeah. about. I mean, they're yeah. good hockey guys. They brought notoriety to the sport. It's, uh, I've asked them hockey. to go on their show. But, yeah, I mean, I got no problem with them at all. And, and, yeah, and again, it goes back to who's friends with who? It's a Boston hockey guys. thing. We got we got gang jumped by the Boston hockey. And I went to Providence. Yeah. I was really the outsider. You know, you're like, <laughs> you go to Providence. You're like, you know, I had a Boston University to offer, but I went to Providence. And so they're probably all like out on the outside going, it's a Providence guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but here's my thing. Like, so we, so I think sometimes Crossing Broad gets connected to Barstool or compared to Barstool just because we both do the the goofy, irreverent thing. And, you know, we're not like of Big J, the athletic or whatever, right? But I, the difference between us and Barstool is that I've got a journalism degree and I've been doing this for 17 years. And Anthony worked in newspapers and has been doing this for forever. We don't always do big J stuff. But when we do it, we do it seriously and we take it seriously and we do it the right way. So that's where I get offended a little bit is where it's like crossing broad, making shit up and just putting stuff. No, I can guarantee you nobody will ever just make shit up with fake sources and fake this and fake that. I've had times in the past where, you know, I remember there was one a couple of years ago where I was reporting on like all the changes that were going on NBC sports Philadelphia. I think Chris, that's when you had just left. Mm -hmm. uh, Hartsey came in. Um, Al was getting reshuffled or something. Katie Emmer left or whatever. And there was like, I had like eight transactions written down in the story and I got seven out of the eight, right? I think the one that I got wrong was I said that Morgani was moving, but it was, it was that guy Colby instead. Right. So, okay. Yeah. The sources that I had, the multiple sources I had for that, they got seven out of eight, right? I'm not, but I'm not, I didn't make shit up about Al Morgani, right? Like the sources that I had were pretty accurate, but only like 90%. But but we're not but but that's that's how it works. You know, sometimes you get stuff where your source is like that. You can't. Close. But I guarantee that we're. I guarantee that we're just not like making up fake people on our phone and like acting like some shit happened because that. that yeah, one, I'm, that yeah. I'm a former longtime player, and and I was one of the guys in the room that I felt was part of the life of the party. Sometimes, like I got along with everybody in the room. As a former player who who had tasted like the other side of things, I would never make something up about a player because I. Be, I'm able to put myself in that position. I wouldn't right. want someone doing that about me, you know, and I'm sincere yeah. about that. So, you know, you can say what you want. You can call me a piece of shit or whatever, but I'm just going with Anthony. I'm not a reporter. I'm just an old defenseman. Yeah, you can say whatever you want to say about the four of us, but just don't accuse us of making shit up. That's yeah, the only thing. I, 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 I just yeah. wouldn't do that. That's not who I am. And, I, and, I, yeah. and that's the part that bothers me. The, the one thing we never got to, though, and the answer I still haven't heard, and maybe Anthony can get this out of all of it. So let's forget what, what just went on. What happened? Like who, what really, what, so if that, if it wasn't him, and well, let's put it to the side. Okay. It wasn't what happened to Anthony. Hey, and one, one, one thing too is because one player. Well, and one thing I do want to add on that, because we did get a, a super chat from, uh, from Marco. So I do definitely want to answer this. Um, Marco asked, I believe Briere is a rational person. Did Cutter express displeasure about, I guess that's entry level contract. Mm -hmm. When uh, when Briere told him in March 23, wait for May 23. I feel like Danny would have made it work in March 2023. What did Cutter say? So going off of uh, of Bundy and my and Marco's question, can you can you help? Yeah, I, the only thing I can the only 
thing further that I can add after, you know, looking into it more. Again, not a lot of people are saying a lot about what those conversations were like back eight months ago now or seven months ago now, whenever it was, May of 23. Um, because it has been that long since Gauthier's side talked to the Flyers. Um, is that he kind of anticipated that once the world championships were over, he played in the world championships for team USA, he finished up his freshman year, BC played in world champs. Once that was over, he wanted to come in right away and be, be on the roster. Um, he wanted the flyers to give him or almost pretty much guarantee him that he would be on the roster and they wouldn't guarantee that. And, you know, that's the one thing that I, I really like about the way that Danny and, and Jonesy operate. It's there's there's no automatics like everybody. You have to earn your your spot. And so they kind of told him, said, like, we can't guarantee you a spot. Um, You know, you could come into train camp and if you don't do well, you know, and, and you've come out of college, then you're going to have to go to the A and play in the AHL. And I think that that kind of rubbed the kid the wrong way a little bit. Um on top of the fact that you know they had the they had to do some juggling with some money at the time um, because of because of contracts and it, it's like it's not like they, they didn't want to add him immediately they wanted to just punt it down the road a couple of months just wait and see what would happen after um, the draft and free agency and the like and then find a way to fit it in and I think it was just a bad understanding if you want my honest opinion I think it's a bad understanding on the part of of Gauthier and his camp um, as to what that meant and what that looked like because the Flyers tried up until last week or two week and a half ago at the end of the world junior of the world junior championships this year to try and make it work so it's not like they it's not like they were just like screw you cutter Gauthier it was like yeah you just got to work there is a process that this takes and you got to follow along the process and he didn't want to follow along with the process. And and that, it's, it's multiple things that kind of ruined his relationship with, with the Flyers that just stacked I, on top of each other and just came to a headwind. Yes. Yeah, I think that there are multi, certainly multiple things that are that are attached to this. Certainly. And, and then, all different angles. There's then, a lot but, of things attached to it. Bundy, I want to ask you, because you obviously play with Lindros. Obviously not the same exact situation, but there are parallels there for people to kind of pick apart. What's this? What what's Gauthier gonna expect maybe in the locker room when he when he first comes in? Did you guys like when you were like, oh, this is the kid who you know spurred the Nordics, or were you guys kind of like, you know what, Nordics. he's our guy now? The Nordics. The Nordics. He called him the Nordics. He probably wasn't even alive when the Nordics. Not, I, what was that? Ninety two. The, the Nordics. The Nordics. I'm not French. I'm American. Um, hey, no, you're lucky that I got Gauthier. All right. Um, but, but Bunny, if there's anything you can, you can shed light on there, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. You know what? I mean, that, that had happened, uh, well, I hate, uh, happened a couple times with Eric, you know, coming up till even the NHL draft It happened in junior, uh, with Sault Ste. Marie generals. And then it happened with, uh, with Quebec that was said, they're going to draft him and, and Eric held true to what he said. He wasn't going to go play for the ownership group in Quebec. And that really what it was, what it was at the time there was, a. Eric's a totally different scenario than this one in a lot of ways. He was already like a, you know, like people knew he'd be like a top 10 player coming in, if not top five coming into the league. Uh, 
franchise building type of player. You know, I mean, he built the Wells Fargo Center at the Core State Center at the time, essentially, uh, with the amount of, you know, tickets and, and luxury box purchases when he came in. But I found that was different. And I, I think that people, I never once looked at him. And, and I was here after, Eric, one year after. One of my first year, um, no one ever ever looked at him like that. Cutter will go on and he'll have a fine career in Anaheim and it'll, this will be forgotten. It won't be forgotten in Philly uh, for a few years, you know, when he comes back once a year. But uh, at the same time, um, I don't there's 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 a little bit of lineage between the two, but there's there's not a ton, Kyle, in terms of um, the player and, and the financial gain for an organization that Eric had compared to what this young guy. Later today on the website, uh, Kyle's going to give his Mount Rushmore of Quebec Nordics, mm-hmm. and that'll be your history, your hockey <laughs> his, history lesson. Put the three Stastny's and Guy Lafleur. Yeah, well, that was the end of Lafleur's career, that's, right? That's like yeah. speaking yeah, Chinese right. to me. Those two guys, you just, you just. Do you know, Kyle? Do you know what teams Quebec where they moved? Uh, then did they become the Hartford Whalers and then move to somewhere else? No, <laughs> no, they went to Col- they went to Colorado. The avalanche. Avalanche. Oh, the okay. Avalanche. So we see Cutter Gauthier putting on a Flyers jersey twenty years from now, a la Eric Lindros with the Nord- Nordiques with that famous picture. That uh, no, that happened. Okay, no, no. I just want to say I, to Bundy's point from earlier, and I don't know if playing in Philly, I, I, we we don't know if like he was you know Godier was afraid of the fans here didn't like the vibe or whatever but let's let's say that like playing here is an issue i my, i think that's the biggest bullshit on the planet the idea that philly is a hard city to to play in. and my favorite question they asked to former athletes on the when we have them on the show now bundy if you were struggling when you were playing for the flyers could you ever imagine them getting a standing ovation um when i was struggling like trey turner could you ever imagine that the trey turner situation would have ever happened when when you were a player that's that a struggling athlete in Philadelphia would get a, a standing O. Um it it absolutely uh, remarkable when that happened late in the season. But you know what? It's funny, it actually turned their season around a little bit, right? They got going, it got him going. Um But that's the point, isn't it? It's not a hard place to play. It's an easy place to play. I mean, you you come here, you get unequivocal support and loyalty from a solid fan base, and you only you yep. only lose that if you dog it or you're lazy or you say something stupid. Or you're like, you know, of uh, Quez Watkins and you go on Instagram and you're talking and you're showing your celebration and garbage time or whatever. Like, I, I argue that I think everything that everybody thinks nationally about Philadelphia sports fans is the total opposite in 2024. I think this is one of the easiest places to play because you walk right in and you have all that support from the fans and they have your back. You know, a lot of them are anti-media now. They're going to side with you on everything. I just think that's a total myth now. I think that's the biggest myth that's being perpetuated out there that Philadelphia is a difficult place to play. It's a it's a tough spot because the fans demand a lot and and they're not afraid to let you know both how you're feeling you know how you're doing both negative and positive and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. People pay for tickets to go to games. You have every right to do whatever you want as long as it's fair. You can't boo a guy just to boo a guy, you know, because he's having a rough day. But I'm yeah. I'm all for p- the fans letting people know exactly how they think uh, in the moment in the game. Yeah, the way the way it manifests and what I think people are latching onto is that when things go south, the fans are going to let you know about it. But that's, you know, things go south for whatever reason, right? I mean, you're the, the de facto, the default behavior. I mean, look at, you know, Mark, even before Trey Turner, Markel Fultz got a lot of support. I saw people standing up in the arena when he was shooting foul shots. Ben Simmons got a ton of support before people bailed on him. So even when situations have gotten ugly with various players, they didn't start that way. You know, nothing started that way. That's why I just think when 
you this national perspective on Philly being some tough place or some difficult place. I think that especially a young demographic of sports fans has changed to the point where they're like almost sycophantic in the way that they back the the players. You know what I'm saying, Anthony? It's just not the same as it was like even 10 years ago. Nobody, nobody would ever think that like a, a standing ovation for a struggling baseball player would be even fathomable in this city. To me, that's when everything changed. You got another super chat there, uh, Pagan, if you want to give it to Bundy before he heads out, even though he's frozen on our screen right now. I'm he's frozen, frozen but the audio is is crystal clear. Yeah. This is coming from our good buddy Ford. For Bundy, isn't it a good thing to weed out guys without gut before wasting the team's time and money? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, I mean, and that's part of it uh, for me. Like the guy, uh, I'll, I'll say one thing about Gauthier. Uh, well, he was committed. I'll give him that. Like, I mean, he really, he really <laughs> stayed in it. But at the same time, I, I, I have to give the Flyers as much credit for making this a non-story. You know, it's a story for 36, 48 hours and moves on. After Jamie Drysdale plays tonight, the trade is complete and we move on. Well, and uh, there is there is there is thoughts of uh, a bus going up to uh, one of the one of the guys games uh, for college that I know somebody's putting together that I know if it happens that somebody on this program might be joining the bus. I don't know who will remain for it to be seen. Well, Uh, I'm not going to be getting on any bus. Uh, (laughs) If I'm maybe Kyle is a Kyle. I can't tell Anthony. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not getting on a bus. No, man. Nah, I'll be on the bus. I'll definitely Kyle's got to think about content. You know, Bundy has the player perspective. We're ready to move yeah. on here, you know, but Kyle's got to find some way to make content out of it. But uh, <laughs> we're happy for, we're happy to have Jamie Drysdale. Yeah. I mean, if you don't want to be here, you don't want to be here. I, I think that the organization did a good job of just kind of, uh, you know, getting right out in front of the cameras, saying what they had to say. And, you know, prior regime would not have done that. That's for sure. So I, it was funny too, because when Anthony texted me, he's like, Something about this trade, blah, blah. And I was like talking to my mom on the phone. I'm like, oh, they probably had some nothing trade. And now I'm like looking at it on on the on the phone. I'm like, holy shit. All right. Well, that's a big one, you know. But yeah, they were right there on the time. And, how you know, they announced it during the game. They were all there at the, the arena. You know, other organizations in town wouldn't have handled it, would not have handled it that way. Would have, we'd still be waiting for comment from them, you know, on Wednesday afternoon or whatever, you know. Yeah. So. Credit credit to them for that, you know. Yeah. Like when I when I went down and saw you guys doing the show the other week, like Keith Jones might might have been the Pope, might as well have been the Pope down there in the the concourse because there's a line of people waiting up to talk to him, you know. But all it takes for people to kind of buy in is just to get that commitment from you know new regime to say that things are going to be different around here and we're going to be transparent about it. Yeah, and I think that the smart thing for them, and it, it, you know, obviously you want to get a coordinated message out right away, right? I mean, and and they did that. You know, there's no doubt that they did that, but it's really important because it sends a message to players. I think that's the, that's the most important thing here. It's like if you don't want to be here and you're not here, then we're gonna we'll 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 send you out. So you want we only want people who want to be here, and that's all there is to it. Yeah, it's and, the and Mike that's, Singletary, you know. Yeah, yeah, I want winners. I want winners. You know. Yeah, so. but but it's but it's legit. I mean, and and so you know, rather than let this have you know leak out or you know punt it down the road until you know try and get petty with the player and say well you know you could just stay in college and we own your rights kind of thing and let it drag on and on and on they just said okay we'll move we'll move on see you later and we'll get something for you and we don't care because we're the flyers and that's the way it is and you know it builds that reputation back they're no longer a team that 
that could be a little bit of a pushover like they'd been over the last few yeah. years. Yeah. Hey, Bundy, too, when you have to leave, go for it, man. If you need a job, because all I'm looking at is a frozen. Uh, yeah, you got uh, it, guys. No, I appreciate the time. I, You know, again, it was a kind of a wild 36 hours. I don't think anybody right. wanted it to be as wild as it is. But, uh, it, yeah, <laughs> no, nobody was forecasted anything, which is absolutely amazing. I mean, that was one of the best kept secrets around, the, the work yeah. they were doing to make that trade happen. And uh, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, I'm excited to see the new young guy tonight, Jamie Drysdale, in the lineup. We'll be down there uh I know our guys will open up the show at 6.30 tonight, and I'll be doing Flyers pregame radio, and then on to the show after that. Awesome. Appreciate it, Bundy. Yeah, we'll we'll do more of this tonight, Bundy. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Thank you. Beautiful beautiful frozen mug, too. You you know what what point I think people need to understand about Eric Lindros, too? Because everybody's drawing the distinction of saying he informed Quebec before the draft that he didn't want to go there. Um, versus Cutter Godier being on the record saying, oh, I can't wait to play for Torts and all this shit or whatever, right? Um, the Nordiques were net, would, we would have been incredibly stupid to not draft him because they knew that they were going to get a treasure trove in return by flipping him, right? And to the point where I don't think people realize this, but it went to garbage. Like, they were just accepting offers from any, anybody and everybody. And they and, and you jump in and correct me if I'm wrong here, but the Rangers put in an offer at the same time that they accepted the fly. They accepted a Flyers offer. They had like two offers that had to go to arbitration, but they got a haul out of it, you know. And then yeah, Colorado four years later, and then ended up winning the Stanley it, Cup in '96. You know, it was ruled that the um, the Flyers offer came through. This is back in the era of fax machines, and so they were able to determine which which offer came in, um, or which agreement offer was agreed to first um through that and and the flyers offer they 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 accepted the flyers offer but then the rangers offer came in afterwards and they decided they liked the rangers offer better and tried to renege on the flyers and go to the go to the rangers and that's what sent the whole arbitration thing going right so that's that's the thing with that so yeah it it is it's definitely different and look i mean it's important to point out and I, i we got a guy who trolls us on on our podcast as well making comments in here and i'm going to point out that he's exactly right uh in this case in that it, it we cannot overlook the fact that cutter gauthier is going to be a really good player in this league and the flyers were not able to bring him in but it's hard to sit here and tell you that it's the flyers fault that he's not going to be a flyer because really it's just it, it, it's what you're what is out there and what we're hearing this is a a missed communication on the player's end and his team's end right not necessarily i don't want to just put it on cutter himself he's a 19 year old kid but it's so it's probably you know his agent and and his family and you know whoever's kind of handling things for him um and it's unfortunate it's an unfortunate circumstance and the kid's going to be a really good player he's going to be a really good let me ask you a simple question yeah Right now, January tenth, twenty twenty four, is Cutter Godier good enough to play in the NHL? Not as a center, but in 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 general, um, if you play him on on the wing, probably. I mean, but I'm not certain that he's going to be like a he's. A, so here's the difference between Cutter Godier and 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 Matvey Mishkov, who's the other Flyers' top forward prospect. When Mishkov comes over and comes in and comes into this league. Not only is he ready to come into the league, he's ready to come in the league and, and make it be a difference maker, be a star player in the league. Cutter Gauthier was probably a player who gets there eventually, but not is not going to be that guy right off the top. If that makes sense, 
That does make sense. So the, now the, the expectations a, for Manny Mishkov have just exceeded the roof. That I would let them because that that's how good of a player that kid is. I just wonder. And he's going to come over, and he's going to come over, right? We're not like worried about all this like Russia shit. He's going to come over. Yeah. No. I, I. So they have. You know. There's been a lot of talk about how they now they're now making it a requirement that, and it, there is no official rule, but they're, they're making it a requirement that the Russian players who sign over there play for five years over there, right? And everybody's like, oh well, Mishkov. We said three. Now it's five. He's in the third year of his fifth five year contract in Russia already. So his he's still in that. When we say three years, it's still the three years. Do I think that there's a way out for him? I do, but I don't know. I mean, you know, I, it's I've only because I say that only because I've seen it before, not because someone's told me, "Hey, we have this grand plan on how we're going to sneak Mishkov into the NHL." I've seen players get out of those contracts before. They've been bought out of the contracts before. The Flyers aren't allowed to. Okay, so that's one thing everybody says. Well, why don't the Flyers just buy out the contract? Well, they're not allowed to. This isn't like in baseball where there's a posting fee and you pay the Japanese team or the Korean team the, mo the money left on the deal and then you get the player. That's not that's not how it works. Um, he would have to come up with a way to pay off the contract to the team. Could there be some kind of hush hush way of doing that? Probably. Nice. Nice. Kev, what, what do you think? You think the, the Flyers can just hire Big Don DeSandro, take him off the Eagles' hands for, <laughs> for two days, three days, get him over to Russia, sneak his ass into a cargo plane, and let's get his ass back over to the real motherland? It's got to be a way, man. It's just funny because, you know, I did soccer for all those years, and so, like Anthony knows, once you go international, once you start involving other countries and other leagues, it just gets to be, like, a huge mess. You know, yeah. I remember, like, the union had an issue with a guy going out on loan to Columbia and, uh, you know, not wanting to come back here and then shit goes to arbitration and all that. I don't know. I just like with the Godier thing, it's like you, you hope it doesn't become a pattern, you know, because, you know, some other kids probably looking at that now saying I can just refuse to play for the team that drafts me and, you know, maybe I can force a trade out of here, you know. I mean, like look at everything that's happening in the NBA with people, with guys forcing their way from place to place. I mean, the, the Eli Manning thing was a big deal, however many years ago that was, 20 years ago, and you just don't want that stuff to become – commonplace i guess i don't know you want people like you want you want to bet on yourself and like if you think you're ready to play and if you're you know <clears throat> good enough so be it but i, I don't if, if that's if, if this thing about him and playing now versus not playing now is the biggest issue i mean that doesn't sound like it was a very combative thing to me all right if if, if you know you say i'm ready to come up now but they're not going to give you an nhl guarantee i mean it's not this is not like some some super I mean, to, to me, it doesn't seem like it's a it's, it's a very uh, like. Why would you be so offended by by that? I don't think it's something that ego. Wanting to I, make one. I don't know. Is there is there a service time like there is in baseball, uh, and for him to get paid faster and more and stuff uh, if he came up early in the NHL? Yeah. So when you when you get your entry level contract, it's it's usually a three year deal, and you you get it no matter what once you're once you're on the on the roster there are there are there's a slide rule where it doesn't kick in until the following year if you don't play professionally like if you're a junior hockey and then you don't you know you've signed your elc but you don't come over it can slide a year into the next year so there's there's little you know loopholes here and there but if he were to come out of college 
and be part of the organization, that contract would kick in right away. When as soon as he, here's here's what I think. I, I think that the player empowerment era, which is you know inextricably linked to the NBA, I think that's kind of seeped out into other sports at all different levels, to where you have this general idea of like they're going to kind of control what they can control a little bit more. Look at NIL, college mm-hmm. football. College football is a good example. Guys transferring every year. If they're not in the playoff, they're not playing in the bowl games. You know, they have more money more power, more leverage, more control than they've ever had. I can't claim to know much about college hockey. I don't. I know I hate Boston College, and I know that I don't give a fuck about Boston College hockey. I know that their football team sucks, and their basketball team sucks, and they've only been to one NCAA tournament since 2009. They're a traitor you, and I hate them more than I will hate anything. I wish people had the experience of dealing with Boston College fans when they left the Big East because they're just as bad as anybody else. But that being said... Okay. I, I wonder if some of that seeps into like guys like Carter Godia. You know, it's like look at what all these other guys are doing, all these other sports, and they like, having their say. And like, I think I'm good. Maybe I'm sniffing myself yeah. a little bit. I'm gonna control it. You know, you know what the you know what the biggest lesson I learned in this whole thing, this last 36 hours. Give it to us. Biggest lesson I've learned is this. You know, with the whole bar stool coming after us and everything else. Ryan Whitney is just like Kyle Pagan in the fact that he holds his microphone in his hand when he does his show. This is worse. This is worse. This is like what it should be attached. <laughs> mine, has a, mine, has a, mine has a plug. His is like, like USB cords hanging screwed, Like that, that's a good eight hundred, nine hundred dollar microphone that he's using. Yes. And he's holding it in his hand, and you know it bothered me too. And you know that's a good. <laughs> That's 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 a good observation. It looks like he pulled the yeah. eyeball out of a robot and like the, the stuff that's still attached to it or something. I, you know? I was you watching. Think? I was like, just like Pagan, man. Look I, at I, this. I, I Someone asked me. Real, on I mean, Twitter, like, like, what's what's up? Why, why do you do it? I was like, I don't know what to do with my hands. I'm like Ricky Bobby. I just don't know what to do with my hands. Do you, but do we? Do we? Know, I've never met. Um, who are the local guys? Smitty, Jordy. I know Jordy. Roan. Roan. I've I've, yeah. I've never even met any of those guys. Right? Any, good right? Yeah. Or what? Or what now? I've been good to us. Yeah, yeah I don't guys. I've never had an issue with any of them. I mean, the Chicklets guys seem pretty cool too. The part of my take guys seem pretty cool. Yeah. I've never had an issue with Barstool in my entire life. I think if you, I think if they sent you the link, Ant, which they never will. Yeah, I think I if they did yeah. hashtag send the link, I think it would be a great show. I would love you know? it. I, but again, yeah, like, but that's what I'm saying. The difference I'm saying is that they do. They make great content and they've got great personalities and they know it works and they run a great business. But they're not. They're not. They don't have journalism backgrounds. Right. You know what I'm saying? And you and I are not like Big J old, the sanctity of the journalism business, you know, but like we do it right when we do it. Barstool doesn't do that. They're not that. And they don't want to be and they're not trying to be. Correct. But I just want people to draw that distinction. It's like when we start to get into that territory of like source reporting and nuance and yeah. talking about how these things work, we're coming at it from a position of experience, man. I did overnight shift at the at WJBF News Channel 6 and all this shit. You know, we've you were working at various newspapers and whatever. So we're not like we come, we have a background in that that we can stand on. So like when it gets into territory with them, I kind of like you know shrug my shoulders a little bit because I'm like, this is not what you guys are. It's not what you guys do. I don't disrespect you. Like I have a lot of respect for what they do, but it's not. This is like not your. The one um, thing that bothered me, arena. and they will they will step in it. They will step into the the journalism mode, and they do, and they do. Um, and they do make fun of themselves for sometimes doing it. Yeah. But them refuting Ant's report was basically the same thing as them reporting on the Mike Babcock situation a couple months earlier, being like, hey, he's going through players' phones. He's doing this bullshit again. Mm-hmm. And then everybody from the the Blue Jackets to 
respected um, NHL columnists calling them, you know, some sideshow act that doesn't have sources that don't know what the hell they're talking about. The NHL Players Association does an investigation. Mike Babcock's fired because he was going through players' phones. Yeah, and for them just to come out to and I know most of the stuff they do is facetious, and I know it's all supposed to be funny and everything, but I just it it, it rubbed me the wrong way when they were when they went right to uh, right to like, hey, our guy is right because you know he's our guy and he's coming on our show before and he's our friend, and he's a golden goose, you know. Yeah, our guy him. refuted it, therefore the other guy just making shit up. That's yeah. what that's what bothers. That's what I was saying earlier in the show, but like I, I go back to the thing with like Joe Santa Liquido too. Like the one thing I've learned in journalism more than anything is like. You can never doubt who somebody's talking to or what they know or what sources they have. I mean, Joe Santa Luca got fucking killed for writing that Carson Wentz thing. And then a lot of it ended up being being true. And, you know, like we have an Eagles mystery source. I know who they are now, but I didn't at the beginning. But they were feeding us correct information. So, like, anybody can have a contact. Anybody can know somebody who's got decent information. That's why I think when people do this blanket just shitting on on people like – they have no clue who we talk to. They don't know how plugged in we really are. We are plugged in. We talk to and, a lot of people. And that's what offends me personally when people say, like, Crossing Broad is some, like, irreverent sports block. We talk to a lot of people. We know a lot of shit. There's a lot of shit that we don't report because we're, it's, cause it's, it's not, you know, we're trying to do it the right way. So I, that's where that's where I get, like, I don't have a dog in this fight. I mean, it's you, right? But I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the editor of the I got a dog. I got a, I'm, so I'm connected to it whether I want to be or not. Oh, I yeah. got a dog in this fight. I'm, sure I'm, I'm, Filippo, I'm, baby. I'm, I'm your dog. I'm your dog, baby. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's the one thing I, I was actually telling somebody this at the Flyers because we talk. We talk about you know because they get. They, I'll be honest. They get frustrated sometimes when stuff leaks out, and then I start asking about it. And they're like, "How? How do you find out?" And so you know, they think that they have it all buttoned up and whatever. And I said that as I said, you have no idea the amount of people we talk to and where it comes from. And sometimes it comes from places that they would have no I, no clue about, that they would not even begin to think would be where sometimes this, this information initially comes from. I will never put anything out that's sent to me by somebody who's not in the organization. But if they send it to me and I think it's accurate, I'll check on it and I'll ask. And that's when they get frustrated because it's like, where did you get that from? How do you know that? How do you know that? There's no way you can know that. No, only like five people know that. And I know none of them told you. And it's like, well, I got it. So like, you know how many times, <laughs> Anthony, like you're going to laugh, but like, I don't know how many times some, somebody has said to me, like, you don't know, how do you know that? You don't know what you're talking about. It's because motherfucker, I talk to the people above you. Like I talk to your boss. Yeah. Or I talk to somebody who's higher in the hierarchy than yours. So when people say, you don't know what you're talking about, all you can do is laugh at them. Because people like to talk and they have no idea how the game works. They have no idea how the system works. They have no idea how any of this works. I think there's a lot of people are doing Big J and Big J and news breaking is not the same thing. One is information brokerage and the other is journalism. And yeah. so nobody would sit here and say that like Adam Schefter is a journalist because he's not. He's an information trader. We've had this conversation on the on the podcast right. before. But again, you ask yourself, why do some of these big J's not ever, never break a story? Because they're doing journalism. They're not doing information brokerage. Right. Right. So it's really two it's different. It's changed. It's, 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 it's changed. Yeah. Like back in the day, that's what you did. I mean, beat reporters, part of the part of your job was being a you know, news breaker. 
Yeah. It's just not anymore. And that's okay. It's yeah, just the yeah. way it is. I mean, that's just the way it is nowadays, right? Yeah. But you, you know, know it's gonna happen. You, you know inevitably too. I mean, because now that you guys have the partnership with the team and you're doing snow the goalie and the from the balcony or whatever, people are gonna accuse you of being like in bed with the team and all that shit, right? I mean, that's that's like of course, of course that was they are. <laughs> of course they're they're saying North that. Korea gets le- less favorable coverage on the flyers on snow the goalie. But, yeah, of saying. course, of course they say of course they're gonna say it, but I'll tell you that those same people who we're affiliated with are the same people that get frustrated when I call and ask about things. And and I'll be honest, it's not like I'm sitting here working my tail off trying to find, you know, mind sources all the time and get information and constantly put it out. I'm not like that. I'm not an information broker. I'm not somebody who's trying to do that on a daily basis. But the, sometimes I'll get a text message or I'll get a DM and it'll be like, hey, man, check into this. And it's like, okay. And then I do. And that's and that's when it comes. That's so people want to tell me, I, I guess I've built a reputation that I'm not afraid to ask about it. I'm not afraid to talk to people. I have good contacts down there. And and that's that's usually how it comes to me. I'm not trying to put something out there that just to put something out there. It's certainly not my M.O. I have so many other things that I do on my on a daily basis. I, it's not something I, I'm craving to do. You really had no idea about this, about Cutter? None. Nothing. Zero. Zero. Ross Bundy, no idea. Nobody did. Nobody did. Other other than than that, other than that uh, burner account that you put out on Crossing Broad that you found, right? I mean, other than that, that's the only place that I have found that had any information. What do you think about that burner account? It's got to be someone close to one of those two. It's got to be. It's if it's not one of those two guys, it's got to be somebody really close to one of those two guys because it had everything exactly right and only talked about Cutter Gauthier and Kevin Hayes. So Mm -hmm. it's probably somebody in that Boston hockey universe, right? Yeah, the mob, and and that's what it is. It's just what you know. Hey, good on them. You know, I I don't necessarily know if I buy the latest information that they're putting out there that guys like Konechny and Tippett aren't going to resign here because they don't like the coach, but. I, I don't necessarily know if that's right, but if it turns out to be right, holy hell, that would be yeah. something else too, wouldn't it? Right? We got to find out who that is. We got to find out who the uh, who the who the sleeper agent is. If uh, if that's, do you want to stay on? Or do you want to get off? Because I want to do two minutes uh, two minute drill real quick. Yeah, yeah I can hang for, for I can hang for seven more minutes. But the one thing what you should do is you should offer that person an opportunity to come on the show and do like a deep throat, uh, deep throat kind of yeah version yeah. of it and see what they. We'll can leave their video <laughs> off and we'll put like a voice filter yeah. on the voice yeah. filter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then when they're and then we'll just bring them on randomly and we'll just totally. We'll just totally blow their cover. So instead of deep throating cutter and deep throating, uh, no, our two hundred fifty thousand dollar producer will probably mess it up and like accidentally like put their face all over television. I'm still waiting. I'm still. I'm still waiting for the cut of Kyle saying that he hates the fact that I was right about the 49ers yeah. and Eagles. So that's all right. yeah. Well, the, the two hundred fifty thousand dollar producer, I guess, has better things to do. Um, I'm enjoying this week, by the way, because I'm fucking sick of the Eagles, and I was happy to write yeah. like eight eight hockey stories in a row. So that's <laughs> that was fun. We did Flyers, we did know. cover our we covered our Flyers quota on the site in one week, which was one which week was really nice. Yeah. Unless they go to the, the playoffs and then the Pink Cats come out, <laughs> like me and uh, Kev. Hey, uh, let's do a quick two minute drill. Run over a couple stories that uh, have happened over the last forty eight hours. Wink Martindale cursed out Brian Dayball and stormed out of the building because he wanted because Dayball wanted to fire. His linebackers coach. Apparently, Kev, there was a fiefdom, which I've just found out what fiefdom is a word. It's a word. Uh, A fiefdom for those at home basically results in a kingdom or a ruler. Basically, the story goes Wink Martindale 
with these two brothers who were his defensive assistant, Kevin Wilkins, and his brother, um, the outside linebackers coach. There were some rumors that uh, that they were creating a little bit of a mutiny in the uh, in the in the, in the Giants locker room or Giants organization a little bit. So Dayball fired the one brother, went with him. Wink Martindale storms out. They got him in Newark Airport, going to uh, catching a flight for Sarasota. But the thing is, people don't know if he's resigned or he's fired because he's still got three million dollars left on his contract. If he resigns. Obviously, he's not getting that money, but also they can just hold it over his head because now he can't go get other D.C. jobs. The only reason why we bring this up, first, it's embarrassing that there was this much drama going on in the organization and they still, the first stringers from the Eagles, didn't score on them. Second, I've seen a lot of rumors being floated around that, uh, or maybe not rumors, but people that want Mart, uh, Wink Martindale to, uh, to be the Eagles' next defensive coordinator. I don't love it, the idea. What do you guys think? Well, you can't you can't blitz as much as he does with no linebackers. It's true. You know, I mean, what the Eagles don't have the personnel to run his. They really don't have the personnel to run any system right now. But uh, I love it, man. Discord and the Giants organize organization. Since we're talking about hockey on the show today, organization. Uh, I, I just wonder what the Eagles are going to do with the defensive court. I would if you if you gave me a choice of uh, Sean Desai. Matt Patricia or Wink Martindale right now, I would still take I would take Wink, even though we don't have any linebackers. So I don't know if that's more of a, a, a pro-Wink take or an anti-our guys take. And uh, second coach that, uh, that Wink Martindale has fallen out of favor with in the last three years, do you want him in, as DC? They did lead the league in takeaways. Um, I think that I don't think that his system fits what you have currently with the Eagles. If you bring in a Wink Martindale, you would have to be willing to overhaul your defensive personnel. And maybe they do that. You know, maybe you look at it and say, all right, you're going to have a couple guys retire off of the defensive line. You might you're not going to bring back your your corners. You need to upgrade all over the place. But, man, that really when you look at that defense. I mean, who who on there other than the the young defensive lineman are you looking there going, oh man, yeah, I want to keep that guy. Mm-hmm. I absolutely want to keep that guy. It, I mean, the young the young defensive backs, of course, yeah, you give them a second chance. You know, they're still young and they're still learning, but are they your starters next year? I don't know. I don't know if I go that far. It, it would be really funny to see to see Howie Roseman with Wink Martindale because Wink Martindale would step to Howie Roseman. Howie yeah. <laughs> wants nothing to do, and if. Once again, if Wink Martindale is creating a fiefdom in the locker room, yeah. that's not good for Howie. Great I, I, I understand that uh, Nordics fans um, pronounce it fiefdom. Just they, so you know. probably, they probably do. Is Craig, it, is it yeah. fiefdom? Craig, can you? No, it's fiefdom. Craig, can you pull fiefdom. up a map? Can you go to Google Maps and just pull up Canada? I'm going to show Kyle where two things are once you pull that up. But yeah, fiefdom is a great word, a, midi- a medieval uh, term. What are we doing? A live uh, geography lesson on crossing broadcast yeah. right now? Did you know where Yellowknife was? Had you heard of Yellowknife? No, I knew. I knew where. What's that? That was funny as hell when when Bundy said Yellowknife. My knowledge goes to Inuit, and that's as north as I go. That's good. I didn't expect. I don't expect many people to know where Inuit is. Uh, Yellowknife is in the uh, the Northwest Territories. Is that correct? yes? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Or, like zoom in, zoom or, in. You, or the Yukon. It's some, but it's somewhere up in the there. Yukon. I think White Horse is the Yukon. White Horse right? is Yukon. Yeah, but I knew it's up there in northwestern Canada. There's Yellowknife. How would you like to live here? That nice scenic uh, lake lake view. You're on the you're on the Arctic Circle up there, man. It's crazy. is that in the Arctic Circle? 
I'm pretty sure it's part of it, right? Uh, yeah. Now scroll to the right if you can. I'm going to show Kyle where Quebec City is, where the Nordics, the Nord, not yeah, the Nor'easters, but the further Nordics. south, further south, south and east. Keep and going east. east. Yeah. yeah, east. Yeah. Uh, south, down wow. to where the river, that big, like yeah, nice. Yeah. No, that uh, Quebec City yeah, is. Yeah. 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 North of Montreal. Just Why is Quebec City so far away from Quebec? That kind of sounds like it's not. It's in Quebec. Quebec. So the provinces yeah. of of Canada are are uh, monstrous. On Canada Hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're <laughs> monstrous. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a funny. Here's a funny story. So we're one summer. You know, Mike Richards is he's got a uh, uh, a cabin up in his uh, his little town, and I forget what the where the town what the town is. I know where it's located, but I forget what, what it is. But it's in northwestern Ontario, yeah. and I'm up in, in the summer. This is the summer he was traded, and I was staying at a at a cabin in kind of southern Ontario. But I didn't know where they were, like in in relation to one another. And so I had messaged him, you know, because I wanted to do a story on him, uh, you know, being traded and you know you know what what it was like leaving Philly. And he's Here's like, yeah, man. Do. He's like, he's like, why don't you come by? You're up here. Why don't you come by? You know, we'll, cut, we'll sit out on the, we'll go out in a boat, you know, whatever. And I was like, yeah, sounds good. Send me the address. And so I did. And then I looked it up and I was like, this is a seven and a half hour drive within the same province. province yeah. If you, if you're asking for me to swing, but that would be like asking somebody in Miami to just swing by like Richmond. Yes, you because know? because uh, Ontario just keeps going up and up and up. And it up. was unbelievable how far it was from his from his cabin to where I was at. So what'd you do? Just meet him in Seattle next summer? And no, we didn't. We just talked on the phone at that point. Oh, OK, uh, yeah, I'm going to swing by Ontario. I'm in Ontario. Oh, you're in Ontario. Yeah, just swing by, man. <laughs> um, Brian Johnson getting interviewed by the Panthers for the head coaching gig. Would be tough to lose him, but it's a great gig for. <laughs> Say something nice about Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson um, makes great connections. I he, hate to say this. Are you thinking what I'm thinking, Anthony? Yeah, yeah. I hate it. I hate that. That's the first thing that comes into my head. Is well, think about it. Well, I, but it's but it's the it's a problem. It's a problem it in the NFL. Is that every team who's going to have a coaching availability, they're going to say, okay, we got to find the one guy who we think can fill our quota to meet the, the uh, Rooney rule and oh. go and interview him. And yeah. of course, you know, here's a, here's that. a main, here's a coordinator yeah. on, a, on a popular, on a popular team. Well, but, but that's, it's not that it's not that it's, it's, it, this is, see, this is when it's when it's worth pointing out, right. It's when it's worth pointing it out that way, because that's all this is. It, it just goes to show that the Rooney rule isn't, doing what it's intended to do as a matter of fact it's probably making it harder for black coaches to get head coaching jobs in my opinion i think yeah. teams are just saying yeah let's bring let's bring the, the the black coach in and you know then we'll hire who we really want to hire as opposed to putting them putting them on a level playing field you know i it's 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 just an unforcity unfortunate situation and i feel bad for brian johnson because i look and if he gets the job great we awesome. get a third rounder Awesome, great! If you look at you, but see, there you go. I don't, yeah, that's I don't, the other. That's I don't see the color. Other thing. I don't see. I don't see color. I saw Brian Johnson. I said, "Hey, congrats, Brian Johnson! You make great connections." You don't I see color, but a lot of people do. You know, it's yeah. that's the. I mean, look, the, the 49ers. I want to take down the that system. You. The 49ers game that system. You know how many draft picks they've picked up for mm -hmm. having. Um, DeMarco, uh, Demico Demico Ryan's, Ryan's, um, Robert Sala, McDaniel, Sala, Sala. 
Yeah, a lot of people don't know McDaniels. <laughs> Forget that McDaniels black. Oh, he no, he's, a, he's like the key and peeled. We got to like, gotta get a 23 and me on McDaniel. All right. That, that might be a fifth rounder, if you ask me. Well, I'm he's, <laughs> yeah, he's doing, he's like the key and peel skit where they go out and then he's looking at him and he's like one eighth black. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the, uh, it's, uh, yeah, the, the afternoon, my octoroon. Yeah. But I mean, but, and that's like, I have a problem with that too. I think that that's, I think it's only makes the racial thing more prevalent and, and not, yeah. Just, I mean, guys, guys deserve, there are black coaches who deserve head coaching jobs. Let them, let them get them. Mm-hmm. Let's not just say, oh, we go in the playoffs. D'Amico won the damn division. Fucking guy's been great. Mike Tomlin's one of the best coaches of my, my lifetime. I mean, guy's a great coach. Like McDaniel. You know, McDaniel's good. McDaniel's like, a good coach. It's like put on your yarmulke. Uh, what was it? Uh, the, the Adam Sandler put on your yarmulke. Uh, Harrison Ford. A quarter Jewish. Yeah, that's not what the line is, but that's yeah. all right. Well, now when you listen to Adam Sandler's Hanukkah song, half of the people in it, like you don't, are not even pop culture. Like you don't, like the pop culture references would not even even work anymore. I don't think the kids even know who half those people are. Yeah. Uh, one more for you. Doc Rivers says Daryl Morey talked too much close to the trade deadline and made it hard on players. Another one is uh, Doc Rivers apparently lied to the fan base by saying. Tyrese Maxey wanted to come off the bench. Uh, that he got a text message from Tyrese Maxey saying he wanted to come off the bench. Tyrese Maxey was in was on a million dollars worth of game, a podcast, another podcast under the Barcelona Network, um, that basically said he was sick to his stomach every time that he came off the bench. Didn't understand why he was on the bench. Blah blah blah. But there was an Inquirer article written last January. I think it was by Gina Mizell from the uh, Inquirer saying, quoting uh doc rivers that he got a text message from tyrese maxi saying hey how about you break how about you bring me off the bench after he came back from his foot injury god i'm so glad this guy's gone well to the first point i mean every big player is like uh who's either has drama around him or is on an expiring contract they're all going to be linked to trade talks trade rumors mm-hmm. i mean everybody's the subject of a trade rumor they even made up some shit about Embiid and the knicks and tried to like will that into existence you know so i mean they're dealing with more distractions than they ever have in 2024 and they all read their social media they all you know google their own name and, and all that so I, they're all distracted to begin with but the thing with maxi is like you know there's some plausibility to the thought that you're coming back from injury but you know it's not a question of easing him in it's like this dude was playing well as a starter before he went out if he's healthy enough to play he should be starting and yeah. then you can limit you can manage his limits by starting him and bringing him out you know instead of averaging, doing it vice versa you know averaging 20 a game at that point um yeah. so i'm just so glad we have nick nurse just so glad we have nick nurse yeah six years in a little bit of a thing right now you know yeah, Joel Embiid's missing tonight uh he's only got nine more games to uh to be uh eligible for for the awards um I'll be I'll say it I do not give a shit if uh Joel Embiid makes first team all NBA I don't care if he wins the MVP I don't care if he wins the scoring title uh, I just want Joel Embiid to be healthy for uh, yeah. the exactly. you know what Joel Embiid cares about though getting his 30 and 10 and keeping that streak alive that was uh that was tough to watch that, that, Bulls, was that, that, that Bulls game, man, that was brutal. Let me ask you, but here's the thing. Remember, what was the biggest story surrounding Nick Nurse and the Raptors when they won it all that year? Injuries. Managing Kawhi. So uh, you would think that after Embiid wins his MVP or whatever and say, mm-hmm. we've got that done and out of the way, whatever, 
that somebody who has experience doing that with a high profile player, that they would be on top of the Embiid management and the way that they're going to use him this year. And it seems like they have not been. So I, that's, I think what's surprising to me a little bit, um, you know, Embiid has always said that, you know, it's a two way street and he's got as much input in it as anybody else does, but got to look at the circumstances this year. You know, you're better than you thought you were going to be your best player. It's it's always been about delivering him to the playoffs. Brett Brown used to say it's about landing the plane. We got to land the plane with everybody healthy, you know? Mm -hmm. So if Embiid, I don't give a shit about his 30 and 10. If the alternative is to get him healthy into the playoffs where you got a chance, you know, I agree. Anything else, guys? All right. Well, I appreciate hey, Dan. Good talk. Thank you for coming on. Anytime. I I hope, I think we're going to finally die. This is going to die down now. So I think you can finally get back to your life. Um, Uh, I'm I'm slated to do, um, I got, first of all, I got to do Snow the Goalie tonight. So we got to, you know, the press row show tonight. So I'm going to have to talk about it again. And I've already been asked to go on Winnipeg radio on Saturday morning to talk okay. about this. So I don't think it's completely gone. Um, but Why does Winnipeg radio want to talk? Well, to, well, first of all, it's Canada. That A, that's, that, that's A. B, Kevin Hayes played in, in Winnipeg uh, for a short yeah. period of time. Yeah, uh, and C, the Flyers are playing the Jets coming up this week. So, so you're going to be on WFAN uh, maybe uh, this week? And yeah. yeah maybe Columbus. Yeah, um, oh, soon. can I ask you one question? The Athletic yeah. article said you declined to comment about I the- did. Why? I just want to know why. Because if you want, if I want to get my take on, if people want to get my take on what happened, come watch a show like this where I get an opportunity to talk, right? And the an athletic article, there's two things. One, I should, I'm not the story, so you don't make me the story. I'm a writer. Um, two, if I'm not just going to give them a, a quote and they, you know, and they pull one sentence out of it and that's all that's included at the end of a story. Right. I'd rather, if you're going to hear it, you hear the full thing from me They're, They wouldn't give me the platform that you guys gave me where we talked about this for a half an hour. Um, uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but the, you know, they wouldn't give me that in the, in the athletic. So um, w- w- without that opportunity, there's no reason to give them a quote. Kyle, when you say the athletic, you mean the athletic with ads, right? With ads, yes, the athletic with ads. And it's and it's, and I should point out, like, I mean, I, I'm I'm tight with the writer who wrote the story. Like, oh. we talked, we talked, we had a half hour conversation. We talked off record a bunch, um, you know, just kind of give background and what's going on. And so, like, I I knew that they were going to put a no comment in there, and I was perfectly okay with it. Okay. Yeah. Has anything um, else happened with uh, Wit? Did say they have to get you on the pod? Has anything transpired? I have not heard a thing. Although um, their producer guy did follow me on Twitter. Okay. So I'm wondering if that's a uh, uh, an indicator that maybe I'll get a DM or something that to do that. So we'll see. Send the link, Biz. Send the link. Yeah. All right, buddy. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you to uh, Sherlock San Filippo. Thank you to Bundy. Kevin, thank you as always. Thank you to our $250,000 a year producer behind the scenes who some think is the glue here. Uh, We will talk to you on Monday, and we'll probably go back to, you know, regular scheduled Eagle show. They'll play Monday night. Fuck you guys.